Good freaking Wednesday, y'all. I'm your girl, Allie. Why did I say good Wednesday? Like, can we can we just discuss that? I feel like I should say happy Wednesday. What the fuck am I thinking? I think I was thinking good morning, but I don't know what fucking time you're listening to this. So I shouldn't say good morning. I should say happy Wednesday. I'm your girl, Allie, the host of the Be That Bitch podcast, where we talk all about being that bitch, whatever that bitch is to you. I'm so excited to have y'all here today. I am coming off of a couple weeks of almost vacation. I don't vacation frequently. I'm not the best vacationer. I do enjoy the act of going somewhere, but only for like two days. And then I enjoy more coming home. I think it's my introverted ways where I just like to be bundled up. Like my idea of the perfect vacation, which I don't know, what is your perfect vacation? My idea of the perfect vacation is like staying in my house all by myself, with no outside communication for like three days with a book and a good sweatshirt and it being like 30 degrees outside on Christmas. Can you picture that in your house on a staycation for three days with no children, no spouse, no nothing, with Christmas lights everywhere, a good book and a comfy sweatshirt? Ah. That's pure bliss, but that is not what I did. I did a lot of beaching, which was fun. I totally took the girls to the beach. Um, this was actually Ev, my youngest, Ev's um, like real first time going to the beach. She went last year, but she ended up getting strep throat on the way to the beach. So needless to say, she didn't have the best time. She had a lot of vomiting and a lot of, you know, whatever the case may be. So this was like the first time she got to really enjoy it. And she loves the sand, hates the ocean. So it's fun to get to enjoy it through your kids. But let's be real moms, right? Like we don't vacation for ourselves with the family. We really do it for the family because it is anything but a vacation to try to wrangle up kids and take all the sand toys to the beach and back and all that stuff. It's exhausting. But nonetheless, we are back. We are you know, back in our flow of things. I'm actually trying a new recording time to see if these endorphins post-workout are helping me give you guys all of the energy. But it's mostly because I was training my girls, well not training, but really talking to them about something I call the eighth day slump. And so I really wanna kind of talk to you guys about that because I feel like it really gives a new perspective on the way that we feel and validating like we're supposed to struggle. So anyways, that is what the topic's gonna be about today. But let's talk books, right? Books, 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 because I always tell you guys what I read this week and let you guys know if it was good, bad, or ugly. So uh, if you guys know anything about me, I love BDSM like romance. I think it's because it's so like spicy versus like me, I'm pretty vanilla Um, And it's really just kind of cool to learn about a whole new lifestyle, a whole different lifestyle outside of yourself. So y'all know I rant and rave, 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 rave all the time about the Salacious Players Club by Sarah Kate. Well, one of my friends in my groups, like I run monthly boot camps um, where I help train women to mindset and all that stuff. Anyways, they, we have a book club within our boot camp and she was telling me about Club Alais. I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. A-L-A-I-S, Club Ala. Fuck me. How do you spell that anyways? Um, by K, I can't even pronounce the name y'all, but starts with the confessions duet and then you have seven night doc and it follows like all of the people so while i was on vacation i read 
all four of them. So it follows the four owners of this sex club, which is a BDSM club, but they're all doms. So it doesn't go over. So like the Salacious Players Club follows different kinks, right? So like every kind of different kink. Well, this just follows a four dominant men. And then one of them is a switch means they can be dominant or submissive. Anyways, you guys don't care about that. The books itself. So if I would have read this before I read The Salacious Players Club, I would have liked it a whole hell of a lot more. But after you read something like The Salacious Players Club and how like just spicy it is, but also just like everything and how deep they get into the scenes, nothing compares. But this is a good introduction to the BDSM world. And it really gives some really good insight. So like, y'all know I love me a book that also educates. And this is another series that's like a sex one-on-one. So like the uh, second book, Seven, it follows um, 20, who is 20, who works for Toys for Twats. Can we just, can we just get that? That's so funny. But it follows her and she's a virgin. And he, of course, is not, he owns this sex club well he is teaching her all about the new toys and like sex toys and stuff like that so it gets very informative about sex toys that one the the one doc she is like healing from domestic abuse and it's talking a lot about like learning self-pleasure and stuff like that so I am telling y'all if you're awkward about sex and you're like you're like I want to get informative of it but I don't want people to know this is a good series um because it really is teaching you stuff so these are all I rated them solid 10 out of 10s and they're super short so like the confessions duet which is the first one which follows um somebody's like second chance romance so they got a divorce and it follows their second chance it's only 400 pages for two books so that's like super short and the other ones are all like 200 to 250 pages so i read all four of them in the weekend so you can definitely do that too but 20 out of 10 recommend especially if you haven't read salacious players club or you're looking for a good like introduction they're not like level five spice but they are definitely level like three spice so 10 out of 10 recommend them i read that um and i think that's really all i've read since the last time i've recorded i am listening to the do-over right now so if you guys are tail swan fans the miles high club Stopover was her first book and that is what really got me into like spicy romance and so it follows like the um three miles brothers and so you've got well four miles brothers you've got the stopover the casanova the takeover and then you've got um the do-over and this one is so funny i find myself loling i was actually listening to it so we drove home from the beach in like the middle of the night because anybody else hate road trips with kids they take like 20 hours versus like five hours you just add so much time so we road tripped in the middle of the night home and so I was listening to it while I was driving and I was literally laughing out loud. Like, it's so funny. So, anywho, that is what I've been reading. I definitely recommend. I want to know what you guys are reading. If you guys find any good books, I'm always open for suggestions. Come jump into my inbox at Allie Griffith. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and get to the content today talking about the eighth day slump. 
All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about it. And can I first, I didn't apologize at the beginning of this episode. My voice, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm pretty sure this is just what my normal voice is going to be like from here on out because I am not even sick, nor have I been screaming, and my voice is completely gone. So don't know if this is going to be my new voice. Do I have like that raspy radio voice where maybe I could be like a sex phone operator, right? So what can I do for you today? I can't even say that shit with a straight face. But anyways, I'm sorry for my voice. If it's annoying, there's not fucking much I can do about it. So just get over it. I'm just kidding. All right. So if y'all don't know this about me, I am an online health coach, right? So I run monthly boot camps where I really work with my girls on mindset. I give them the tools, fitness, nutrition, all of that stuff. And we work a lot on mindset. And I have been doing this for almost the last five years, five years going on in February. And one thing that I see time and time again, every single month is the eighth day is a big deciding factor on if somebody sees success or if they end up falling you know, falling behind and letting those inner demons get to themselves. What happens on the eighth day, do you guys think, right? So think about when you start a new health and wellness plan, right? Maybe you start a new workout, you join a gym, you join Weight Watchers, you do whatever the fuck you're doing to get healthy, right? You go gun ho and a lot of us are weekday warriors. I know I was, right? Like I would crush it Monday through Thursday and then I would end up feeling exhausted and defeated and whatever because I wasn't seeing the results I thought I should be seeing in four days, which is it's just insane, but nonetheless. And then I would end up struggling during the weekend because I would get in my head that I'm not going to see success and, you you know, we're going without routine and stuff like that. So you would struggle during the weekend and then you would just say, fuck it. And you would keep struggling all weekend. And then you would come to Monday and then Monday, so many people decide either they're going to pick it back up and keep going or they're going to keep letting their demons win and they're going to say this was never meant to be and they're going to crush it. So the eighth day is a big deciding factor on the success that you're going to make y'all. It is normal to struggle. Can we just, can we normalize struggling? Can we normalize not seeing success and being perfect the first time, the second time, or the third time? Because y'all, you are trying to reteach yourself new habits, right? You're trying to overwrite the bad habits that you've already occurred for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Being weekday warriors and always struggling on the weekends or always saying fuck it on the weekends. All of these habits that you've occurred over your lifespan, right? Negative self-talk, whatever the case may be. Things that you have reinforced week after week, diet after diet, every single time. You're trying to teach yourself something new. Why do we feel like we should be perfect the first time around? Why do we feel like if we fall, if we struggle, that is what's going to be our demise, right? Like we're never going to see success. Y'all, it is not the act of struggling that makes you unsuccessful. It's not many how many times you fall, how many times you fuck up. That is not what makes you unsuccessful. It's the lack of getting back up right? It's the lack of getting back up, brushing off your fucking knees and keep going at it. I love to use the analogy of a toddler or a baby learning to walk, right? How many of us have kids? A lot of us have kids, right? And if you don't, you know somebody that has kids and is teaching their kid to walk. How many times does a child that is learning to walk fall down, say, I'm going to crawl for a little bit, and then they get back up and they try again. That is basically what you're doing in the beginning of your journey. You are falling because you are trying to learn something new, right? You've been crawling all, you've been crawling for the last six, seven months, 
six, seven years, whatever the case may be, right? We're using this analogy in our world, but just think the baby's been crawling for a while, right? You've been crawling. You've been doing the thing you've been doing for a long time. Okay. So you're trying to learn something new. Like the baby is trying to learn to walk, right? How many times does that baby fall? How many times are you going to fall? Y'all, it is more common. It is more, it's almost expected to fall, right? We're learning something new. We're not expected to get it right the first time. We're not expected to know how to do it the first time. It's just like, it's just like when we start a new job, right? They don't expect us to know everything. They expect us to struggle. They expect us to learn our way through it until we eventually get it. So that is what you are doing. If on that first weekend you start your new journey and you kind of like go back to old habits or you stumble or you struggle, just know it's to be expected. Expect the struggle. Hold on, I need a sip of water because remember y'all, a hydrated bitch is a happy bitch. All right, got a sip of water. If you guys don't know our challenge, every time I say a cuss word, you're supposed to drink water, but I might have to drink a lot more water because of my voice and all that stuff. But anyways, okay. So if you just expect the struggle, expect to fall, expect to not be perfect. Y'all, nobody is perfect at anything when they first start. But the difference between those that see success and those that don't see success is not how many times they fall, but how many times they get back up, right? The successful people and the unsuccessful people, they both struggle. They both see better days. They both have relapses of bad habits. They both fall. But the unsuccessful people stay down. The successful people get up. So if you just stop thinking of the opposite of success is falling, the opposite of success is struggling, and think of the opposite of success as giving up, you will be so much more successful if you just expect to fall, if you expect to struggle. And the eighth day, a lot of people do, right? We're coming off of a weekend. You've probably, maybe you've let the demons inside your head win and you struggled all weekend. And in that day, you're coming off of feeling kind of like crap because you probably didn't eat the best. You probably are feeling very unconfident because you didn't uphold the commitments you made to yourself. And right now you get to make the decision. Am I gonna kind of like buck up and show up? Am I going to say, all right, that was shitty. That didn't go as well as I hope it would. We're gonna make the next time better. We're not going to let our past decisions define our future success. We're just going to dust our knees off. We crawled for a little bit and we're going to get up and try to walk again. Y'all, you have to realize that you are going to struggle. You are trying to reteach yourself new habits that you have had for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's going to not be perfect, right? It's not going to be perfect. You've got to like release that pressure you have on yourself for perfection and know that it's just effort. And so on that eighth day, right, you might not be even motivated. Motivation is what gets us started, right? It's what gets us to press submit on the payment of a package to get started. It's what gets us to go to the gym the first day and sign up. It's what gets us to meal prep that first week, right? Motivation lasts for a very, very short time. Dedication is what's going to keep you going, right? And so usually by the eighth day, the motivation is gone. The news worn off, you're feeling exhausted. And there's a lot of people that use that as validation for why they shouldn't keep going. Well, I'm not motivated anymore. I overslept. I'm not doing this. Okay, so fucking what? Keep going right? Motivation is what gets you started. Now you've got to rely on that dedication and that determination to keep, keep you going. Y'all, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Part of being an adult is doing shit that you don't want to do when you said you were going to do it because you know you need to do it. 
That's part of being an adult. We don't always want to go to work. We don't always want to cook supper. We don't always want to do a lot of things. That doesn't mean we don't do them because we made the commitment to do them. That's the same thing with our health, right? Yes, we're not always going to want to fucking do it. But just because it's optional to do it or not do it doesn't mean you don't need to do it. It just means you need to uphold that commitment that you made to yourself to do it. You've got to build that confidence within yourself. And that means doing the shit you don't want to do when you said you're going to do it and knowing that it's in your best interest and you're going to feel better once you do it. Does that make sense? Because y'all, that's what this is, right? On that eighth day, you get to make the decision. Am I going to stay down if you've fallen? Or am I going to get back up? Am I going to let my lack of motivation keep me from starting my second week of my new program? Or am I going to rely now on dedication and lean into that dedication? Yes, I get that you're having all of these awful thoughts in your head, right? You're, you're thinking, well, see, I struggled this weekend. I did this. I didn't, I didn't uphold the commitment I made to myself. I'm not going to ever be successful. I did what I always do and this and that and the other. Okay, if you stay in that fucking headspace, yeah, you're never going to see success. But if you think it's in my rearview mirror and that does not define my future, I get to define my future. And that is just a new lesson that I have learned how to do something differently the next time. And then you get back up. You dust your knees off and you get back up. That's what this boils down to, y'all. I don't care how many times you struggle. I tell my girls this all the time. I expect you to struggle. I expect you to fall at the beginning. I expect you not to be perfect. But what I also expect is for you not to give up. So you need to have those same expectations for yourself. Expect that you're going to struggle. Expect that you're going to fall down. Expect that you're not always going to be perfect. But also expect to not give Y'all, think about it. It's really like parentinghood, parentinghood, parenthood, right? We struggle all the time. We're not always perfect parents, but we don't just give up. We learn as we go to get better. It's the same with our health and fitness. I think so many of us look at this as like an optional thing, right? Taking care of ourselves is optional because nobody is sitting there forcing us to do it. Y'all, your health is not optional. Taking care of yourself is not optional. It should be mandatory because that's what's going to help you in so many other areas of your life. And so the sooner as we stop looking at it as optional, the sooner that eighth day slump is not going to own us. We're just going to pick back up and keep going. You can do this. And I get that you don't think you can do this right now. And that's probably because you haven't instilled that confidence in yourself. And how do you instill that confidence, right? We did an episode on this. You can scroll back up. The confidence, how you get confidence is by upholding the commitments you make to yourself. So on that eighth day slump, you get to make that decision. You get to make the decision of, are you going to let your past decisions dictate your future results? Or are you going to assume, all right, that's, are you going to decide, yep, that, that happened. We're going to change moving forward are you going to keep relying on motivation like you always have like can we just agree that we know what happens when we rely on motivation right a lot of us are weekday warriors a lot of us have started and stopped diet after diet or started and stopped anything right so we know what happens when we rely on motivation right we are very inconsistent we are very just like hot and cold we don't really see things through all of that stuff we know what happens now what 
would happen if we stopped relying on motivation. You don't know what that is like because if you're struggling right now, you probably haven't done that. So think, this is known, right? Relying on motivation, we know the outcome of that. We don't like the outcome of that. So why don't we decide to go the path of most resistance? Why don't we decide to go the harder route and see how it ends? Because I don't know about y'all, but I would love to go with the unknown of, I don't know if it's going to end positively, but it has the opportunity to end positively versus already the known of, I'm going to fucking hate the end of this, right? So y'all, that's what you get to make the decision. I, like I said, I run, you know, monthly boot camps up to five weeks and, you know, I see one deciding factor and that is who decides to keep going against all odds. Those are the ones that end up finishing. Those that realize that the goal is not to be perfect, but to get to the finish line, right? The goal is not to be perfect, but put enough effort to stay consistent for the long term. Those are who sees the most results. And so by the eighth day, if you're still holding that torch of I've got to be perfect and I wasn't perfect, so I might as well give up, you're never going to fucking see success. You're never going to see success and you're bound onto this fucking roller coaster that you're never going to get off of. I know that's blunt, but it's honest. So why not just accept the struggle, accept that it's part of the journey, expect that you're going to fall and it's not the how many times that you fall that makes you unsuccessful, but how many times that you refuse to get up. That's what makes you unsuccessful and you keep getting back up until you've learned that new habit. And once you've learned it, like a child, right, that's learning to walk, once they learn to walk, they don't fall as much. That doesn't mean you're not going to fall. Hell, how many of us as adults have had a couple too many cocktails and have fallen, right? Just because you've learned a new habit doesn't mean that you're not going to fall ever again. It means you're going to fall less. And you're going to get back up because you know that you know how to walk. That's what this is about. Right now, you're in the beginning stages. You don't know that you know how to walk, but you've got to have faith that you're going to learn it. So you're going to fall a lot. But each time you got to brush off your knees and get back up and keep walking until eventually you've created all those habits enough to now you've got proof because you've done it that you know how to walk and you walk seamlessly until, you know, you might trip and fall a couple times. But then you already know that you know how to do the walk. So you're just going to get back up. Does that analogy make sense? I hope it makes sense. I feel like it's a really good analogy for us that can really kind of almost let us visually see the struggle and know that it's expected to struggle, right? Just like it's expected to struggle at a new job, it's expected to struggle during the beginning of the fitness. And I think so many of us just hold ourselves to these unrealistic expectations that we need to be perfect. Yes, if you're struggling really hardcore and you're falling a lot, maybe that means the the walking, your method of learning to walk, it's not the right one, right? Maybe that means your fitness or nutrition plan is not the right one. Once you have the right one, you're going to know because the, the, you're going to eventually not fall as much. So anyways, that is what I've got with the eighth day slump. Let's do some Q&A. You guys loved last week's t- call, last week's call, last week's podcast that was all Q&A. So I figured I would answer like two questions at the end of every podcast so we could do a little bit of Q&A. If you guys ever have any questions or ever need advice on anything, you guys all just need to email be that be pod 
at gmail.com. I'll put it in the show notes and I will be answering two questions at the end of every podcast now. So let's get to them. Alrighty, y'all, let's get some Q&A in. So this first email starts with, I just discovered your podcast today and I'm in two episodes in and I just have a few questions. So the first one is, when you exercise, how and when do you do it? When you're a mom, how do you find the time to exercise? I think this is such an important thing because a lot of us let our circumstances hold us back, right? We feel like it's selfish to uh, take time for ourselves. We feel like it's selfish to work out. We feel like we've got so many other things. How can we take that time for us? Y'all, just remember, if you are relied on, right? Maybe you're the caregiver. Maybe you're a single mom. If you are relied on by other people, you cannot afford not to take care of yourself. They are reliant on you. And I know this is morbid, but this is the way that I perceive it because I lived this life, right? I grew up with my mom. She was amazing, but she literally gave us every single thing, right? She took care of us. She cooked for us. She cleaned for us. She did everything, but she didn't take care of herself because she felt like she couldn't do that because she had everything else to do because she was a single mom. I ended up losing my mom at 18 years old from health. So y'all just know That if you are reliant on, do you want your babies to have to learn how to not live with you because you didn't take care of yourself? Or would you rather learn how to take care of yourself 30 minutes a day? So the way that I do it is I make, I make investments. So a lot of people look at this as sacrifices, right? You make the sacrifice to get up early to get your workout in. You make the sacrifice to stay up late to get your workout in. A sacrifice for me is defined as something that you are sacrificing and you're not getting anything out of. I think of those as investments. I make an investment in myself and get up before my kids to get my workout in, right? I make investments in myself to stay up late to get my workout in. Think of it as an investment because you are going to get something in return. There is something for you at the finish line. So like for me, example, it's right now while I'm recording this podcast episode, seven in the morning. I get up at 5 a.m. so I can work out, get some work done, all before I have to get Riley up for school and then I'm on mom duty with Ev while I cook and clean and do all the mom stuff throughout the day and try to get some work in. I make an investment in myself and get up at 5 a.m. to take care of myself. On vacation, right? A lot of people think this is crazy, but I think moving my body every single day makes me a better mom. So I made the investment of getting up early on vacation to go on a run, to go work out. Y'all, That is what this is about. It's about making investments and finding, it's not about creating the time, right? Because we all have the same 24 hours in the day. It's about making the time for yourself. It's about releasing the pressure that you have to be all the way on all the time, right? I used, whenever I first started this whole fitness journey, right? Cause I'm sure right now you're thinking, well, that's good for you, Allie, but you stay at home all day. I haven't always stayed at home all day. I haven't always worked for myself, right? When I first started working out, I was, out of the house for 12 hours a day, 12 fucking hours. And I was still doing all the mom stuff, cooking, cleaning, all of that stuff. But what I realized is that it is not selfish for me to take time out for myself. It is necessary. And so when I would get home from work every day, because back then I was not a morning person, 
when I would get home from work every single day, I would literally change from my work clothes to my workout clothes and me and Riley would go into the guest bedroom and I would, I would crank out my workout. She would play, she would watch an iPad or she would play with toys while I got my workout in. We spent time together while I was working out, right? I wouldn't get frustrated when she would ask me questions or something like that. And after so long, she realized like that's the routine. Mommy works out. Ev, now she knows no different, right? I've worked out her entire life. So when I'm working out, if I oversleep or something like that and she's home, she'll she'll take care of herself. She'll maintain herself playing and stuff like that. And I'll work out. I do not feel guilty for taking that time for yourself. So please do not feel guilty for taking an ounce of time for yourself to work out. Now, how to do it, right? Maybe you're a single mom and you can't go to a gym. Get at-home workouts. There are so many at-home workout solutions, programs that you can follow that you can do at the comfort of your own home while the baby, while your kids are sleeping or while they're, you know, eating lunch or whatever the case may be, right? That are 30 minutes or less, right? Like I have workout programs that I give my clients that are 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day that only come four days a week or five days a week. There's so many different variations of fitness now that there is no excuse not to do it. It's really just the only excuse is that you're letting your you know, lack of desire to do it hold you back. You're letting all of these doubts, all of these convictions that you have, why I can't exercise because I have blah, 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 whatever, right? You can do it. It's just, are you willing to make that investment in yourself? Do you love yourself enough to invest in yourself, right? You love your baby, so you invest time in your babies. You've got to love yourself enough to make that investment into working out for yourself. So there's another question she has is when you did 75 hard and had to exercise twice a day for 45 minutes, how did you do it? So how I personally did it was, again, I woke up early 5 a.m. and got my first workout in and then in the middle of the afternoon, I would take Ev on a walk. So me and Ev, which is, she's my youngest, we would go on a walk for 45 minutes. That's really how I did the whole 75 hard my first time. The second time I did it, I was also training for a marathon. So I would do my 45 minutes in the morning before the kids woke up. And then when my husband got home from work, I would go and do my run. Um, and so he would, I would tag him in and he would, parent until I got home to cook supper and all of that stuff. Yes, it's a lot, but 75 hard was important to me to finish then. And so you make that, that investment because you know that you're going to get something in return. Y'all, she says, she's like, I keep giving myself excuses and I can't figure out how to exercise and what kind of help. And I need to actually be able to do it. The way to do it is find a solid plan, find something that will work for you and just realize that, yes, I'm going to have excuses, but I get to decide whether I'm going to give into those excuses and let them hold me back or I'm going to let them fuel me so I can find solutions for those excuses and keep going. That is what this boils down to y'all finding solutions for your excuses and keep fucking going. Okay. Next question. y'all. Alrighty. Next email. So hi, my name is Katie. Hi, Katie. I started listening to your podcast as a suggestion on Spotify about a month ago and I've listened to all the episodes. Let me tell you as a mom and a three boys, sometimes I feel so overwhelmed that I shut down and your podcast has really helped me. This makes me so happy. I am so glad. These past few days, I have been really struggling financially. I'm trying to eat healthier, but food prices are so expensive right now. And I feel like I just can't do it. Um, so how do you budget for food and recipes and all that stuff? How do you afford to eat healthier? So for me, y'all, 
I am a very like, just like, I don't like to spend a lot of money on my groceries. I am not the health and wellness person that you're going to find that buys everything organic and shops at Whole Foods. Like I am a budget shopper. I think it's from my years of just growing up very, we grew up very, very poor. And so I don't know another way. And even if I could spend $300 a week on my groceries, I wouldn't want to. So yes, food prices are astronomical right now. But a few ways that I save and make sure that I can budget for my healthier options is that the stores I shop at. So the first one is I go to Aldi to buy all my produce. So I will buy every single one of my produce at Aldi. I find that's the most cost-effective place to buy produce, but I also make sure that I buy inexpensive produce. So I love Brussels sprouts. Those are pretty inexpensive. So I get bags of Brussels sprouts. I love um, like just doing like little side salads. So I'll do iceberg lettuce because it's pretty cheap. I just find kind of inexpensive like options for healthier foods. And so that's really where you want to start is ask yourself where you're shopping. If you're shopping at Publix, probably could do it cheaper, right? If you're shopping all at Kroger, maybe find an Aldi to get your fresh produce. Maybe there's local people that sell produce that is more inexpensive because, you know, they don't have to deal with all the overhead costs and stuff like that. So for me personally, I find that it's the most cost effective to be able to go buy my produce at Aldi. So I buy all my produce at Aldi. I'll buy like my like seasonings and stuff like that at Aldi too, because they're all, yes, they are not name brand, but can we not, we right now, we can't be name brand hoes. Like you cannot be a fucking name brand hoe if we're trying to be on a budget. We got to be generic. We got to, we got to do with the generic. So I'll do that from Aldi. Um, my husband has always been a name brand hoe and he's had to realize quick, fast and in a hurry. I grew up on, you know, not frosted flakes, but fucking golden flakes or whatever the the alternative name is like, and I turned out perfectly fine, right? They're going to be fine. So doing that, buying that at Aldi and then like my meat. So for my meat, I do buy that at Kroger, but I always buy like the on sale meat. So I will look at the sales and I'll say, okay, so chicken breast is on sale or whole chickens are on sale or ground beef is on sale and I'll make my meals around what is on sale. Yes, it takes a little bit of effort but it does help in the long run and then just reminding yourself to set a budget right so I will and I think it really just starts with having a meal plan so I don't meal prep anymore because that gives me too much stress but I always meal plan and I find when I meal plan I buy less at the grocery store because I have a plan I know I'm going to use all my food and I'll just go back next week whenever I i have to refill my next plan, right? And so taking an inventory of what you have, having a solid meal plan and only buying what you need. Don't go to the grocery store hungry. I've learned that the hard way that if you go to the grocery store hungry, you're going to end up buying everything and anything, but you have to have a solid plan. So it does start with the preparation. So on Saturdays, I'll go through my pantry. I'll say, I have this. I don't have this. I need this, right? What are we going to eat? I'll look at the ads on the, you know, my computer and say, this is on, this meat is on sale. What do we want with this meat? And then I'll go to the supermarket, go to Aldi, right? And, and buy the produce that I need. And then I'll go to Kroger and get the meat. Yes, it takes a little bit more effort, but it helps us save, right? So I, you know, run a household of four. We have two kids and two adults. And I roughly spend about $100, $120 a week on my groceries. Um, and that is me eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home. And 
my husband having supper at home and then packing my kids lunch every single day. So it is possible. It does take effort. Um, and it does take maybe a little bit more of going to different places, but it is possible. So just start with the preparation, have a solid plan, make sure you're using everything that you have, that you're not wasting food. And then you're looking for the least expensive options out there. Y'all, we don't have to do everything organic. Yes, it might be better for you, blah, 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 blah. But if we're looking for budgets, we just need to look for making sure that we're getting at least some nutrients in. Okay, so that is both of our questions this week. I hope that those were helpful. Again, if you have any questions, make sure you email them to be that bpod at gmail.com and I will be answering two more next week. But if you have a second, could you please do me a favor and go over to Apple and leave us a five-star review if you like this episode and leave a little sweet message. It really does help the podcast grow and it helps us reach more people because that is my mission with this podcast is help as many people as I can. And then also, if you really did love this episode, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me. Tell me your favorite part of it. I love to share them and I love to just send you a DM and say thank you for listening. Put a little bit of a face to my Instagram listeners or my podcast listeners. So anyways, all right, I'm gonna leave you like I leave you every single week in a world full of bitches. Be that bitch, whatever that bitch is to you. I love y'all and I'll see you next Wednesday.